What's going on guys? Just got back from Etchy Expo 2021 in Austin. Thank you for having us. We had an amazing time. Uh, the boys weren't able to go with me, but I took some friends. And I have this great interview with Caitlin Barr that she was so gracious in giving me. Thank you to Etchy Expo. Thank you to Caitlin Barr. Thank you to everybody else who I met. It was an amazing time. I tried to get a few more interviews. I'll get more into it in the recap episode. But here's this. And enjoy. Hey, what's going on, guys? I'm here with Caitlin Barr at Etchy Expo 2021. And uh, she has given me the honor... <laughs> and privilege of getting to interview her and i guess first of all uh how's that expo going and have you ever been to like an 18 plus con before no actually this is the first one i've ever done um i don't think there are many of them and it's going great i am i love this con so much um i hope they invite me back every year forever i know that cons don't usually do that every year <laughs> but i want to come all the time um this is such a good con so far i josh wilson who's in charge has treated everybody really well my handler's amazing um my handler amy she's so good um the staff and the attendees have been just tremendously welcoming and everybody's so chill too you never know like with a con that like the theme is like sexy like like oh it's gonna be wild and it is but it's also chill yeah like i didn't think it was gonna be so chill so i'm relieved <laughs> but it's like cool it's sexy but it's cool and everybody's chill you know mm -hmm. Like, uh, I've only ever been to one other 18 plus convention, but it's also, uh, it's not, you know, sexy, but also the people that go are like very chill because, you know, they're older, 18. So I guess the maturity comes with the age. We were talking earlier and I told you that I have, that I do music on the side and stuff. And then, uh, listening to some of your interviews, I heard that you play drums. I don't know how long you've played for them or you play drums, but do you have like somebody that you play with like a group and do you have any original songs for that group or that you've written yourself? Um, right now I'm sort of in the middle. Um, should I? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, right now I'm, I'm not like officially in a group. I have been, um, playing music with Emily Neves, another voice actress. I don't know if, if you know Emily Neves. Um, but she and I have started playing music together recently and she writes music. So we've been messing around with her songs a little bit. I'm not a songwriter myself. Um, but I've been playing drums on and off since I was about 12 or 13. Um, I'm not like amazing, but I, I enjoy it. And I think that's the most important thing. So seeing as you've been like doing music since you were 12 or 13, like what, what made you decide to go into acting as opposed to like keeping up with the uh, music? Um, I think I've loved acting for longer, probably. Um, it's silly, <laughs> but, uh, I think probably, People ask me, like, what was the first time you, like, performed? And I would, I think probably in my church Christmas play when I was eight years old, I was the donkey in the nativity scene. <laughs> All the other kids were sheep and I was the one donkey. And, uh, yeah, I hammed it up as the donkey. I was kicking my feet, you know. It was supposed to be, we were supposed to be silent, you know, just sitting around looking at Jesus. And I was just kicking my legs up and hee-hawing. <laughs> so... 
I think that was when I knew. <laughs> so so messed up. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I think I've loved acting acting for longer, and uh, I went to school for acting. I uh, I went to Barton College and got my degree in theater. And uh, my dream was uh, growing up. My dream was to be a, an actress on Broadway, um, and that evolved into voice acting and anime. Um, it's a long story, but yeah, it was always acting, and then the the avenue became voice acting for anime. But it was always going to be acting in one way or another. Okay. I heard in a different interview that uh, like the way that you got into voice acting was uh, I don't want to say like out of the blue, but it just kind of happened. And I wanted to know like um, so had you done any voice work before you got to work on or you got the call back to start doing voices for Log Horizon? Um, I, my experience was mostly in stage acting. I had done a little bit of on camera. Um, the only voice work I had done was at my college. We, uh, so there was a, a, I can't remember if it was a movie. I think it was a movie that was produced on my college campus by the students. It was like their, their thesis and I wasn't in it, but it was like some seniors ahead of me that had graduated, had done this movie. And it was at a time, like I, I went to a really small college. It was uh, Barton college is a private college, really small. The media department was really small and they didn't have like, at the time that those seniors graduated, they didn't have like good audio equipment. And so when they made the movie, the audio sounded like, not good <laughs> and they did their best with what they had but like the movie that they fi- when they finally finished it those when they finally finished with the editing and putting it all together those seniors had graduated and they were gone and the the audio just was bad so when i was coming up they had better audio stuff and they they had me and a couple of other theater majors which the theater department was also small i think we had four majors um at the time that i was there they had us go in and redub those actors and we all played like four characters each (laughs) and we just dubbed over these seniors that had recorded and gone on with their lives and so that was my first experience dubbing was a live action dub and that was extra tricky (laughs) so that was it that was my first experience it's a pretty interesting story. <laughs> like I didn't, I definitely didn't expect you to be like dubbing over somebody's previous work at a at a college. <laughs> That's the only thing I've done. And then, uh, what decide or what made you decide to want to start doing like uh, ADR script writing? Were you asked to do it, or was it something that you wanted to do? Um. So I. Uh I actually had not given any thought to doing script writing. I was, at the time, well, I started doing voice acting for Sentai after I had auditioned. I'd been cast in Log Horizon. I'd done a couple of things, uh, a couple of small roles. Uh, And the first job I started doing for Sentai after that was uh, quality control. I worked in the office a little bit part-time, just watching DVDs and finding errors. (laughs) It was a a fun job. Um, I ended up watching the Pat Labor OVAs, I think, six times straight through. I hope to never watch them again. (laughs) They're wonderful. I loved them, but I don't ever... I've watched them enough. Um, Oh, my God. Uh, but I liked that job. Uh, and I did that for a little while and that was cool. Cause I got to work in the office at Sentai and I made a lot of friends there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, 
I was good friends. I mean, I still am <laughs> good friends with Clint Bickham, who is a very, very prolific uh, ADR scriptwriter. Uh, has been for Sentai and currently is for Funimation. He's like the One Piece writer. Has been like over the most episodes over the longest amount of time. Um, he's the One Piece like master. <laughs> he's a good friend of mine, and uh, at the time he was looking to train up some new writers and. Uh, he was, he just kind of randomly was like, do you want to give it a shot? He was like, I have no idea if you'll be good at it, honestly. <laughs> and I was like, neither do I. And he's like, well, I'll, you know, give it a shot. And he showed me the ropes and he was like, oh, you're actually kind of good at this. <laughs> so, uh, so we, we gave it a shot and, you know, I've grown a lot since then. I was, I've, I was not amazing at first, but I had potential, I think. And <laughs> so <laughs> he helped me get there. And, uh, that was, that was, I mean... It's a pretty simple story, I guess, but <laughs> that's how it started, and now I do it full time for Funimation. So nice, and uh, you've worked on like a bunch of things that I've watched, a bunch of things that I've heard of. One of those shows being the quintessential quintuplets, which my cousin absolutely loves. He keeps me, he keeps telling me to watch the show, and he constantly is like, I don't even know what character it is, but like. He keeps drawing this one character that has like the hair coming down like across her eye, and that you know I've never actually watched the show. He's just told me a bunch of stuff about it, and he, he's in love with it. She has headphones around her neck. Yeah. That's Miku, Miku best girl. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, like, I was also like looking around to see if you had done any simul doves because I know that that's starting to become like more and more of a thing especially recently and which is great because i'm always looking for a dub uh like if it's better or as good as japanese i'll watch it because i prefer listening to the acting in english and then paying attention to what's going on as opposed to looking down reading subtitles looking back up and you know that whole thing but what what's it like working on a simul dub as opposed to like writing scripts for things you had done before where you had maybe more time um definitely the biggest challenge with a simul dub and at this point i've done several simul dubs um before covid uh working full-time at funimation simul dubs were almost everything i did um the, the biggest challenge with a simuldub, especially if it's a show that doesn't come from a manga or a game or some kind of source material, is we don't know what's coming next. Um, if we're working on a show and it's episode seven, and Japan has only put out seven episodes, um, we literally don't know what's going to happen in episode eight. Uh, so a character might, you know, look like they're going to be a major character, but we don't know that they're going to die in the next episode. Or we don't know that, like, or they might look like they died, and we have to kind of assume, like, well, maybe they'll come back, or or maybe this girl is secretly a boy, or like, you know, you know how anime is, you, you really don't ever know, like, there's could be a twist. Uh, so, uh, and that's really hard for dubbing, especially if you're casting a character. Like, you don't want to cast a male voice actor for a, for a character that looks male that in the next episode is going to go, I'm actually a girl, or, you know, they, and they've had that happen before. Um, and then they have to go back and recast and then redub 
that episode for DVD because whoops, that's a girl, <laughs> like, or something like that. Um, so that's the biggest challenge with simul dubs, especially as a writer, you have to kind of keep things vague, like, oh, well, if they haven't disclosed like gender or whether somebody's alive or dead or things that are, you know, not explicitly stated in the translation or the source material, you have to keep things vague. You have to kind of dance around things a little bit. Um, that's definitely the biggest challenge outside of, you know, deadlines. <laughs> Those are always a challenge. So. On just keeping the, the train going with all the script writing stuff. So you've worked on shows uh, from like extreme ends, I would say. Like you've worked on One Piece and then you've worked on Akamega Kill, but you've also worked on Citrus. You've worked on Monthly Girls and Ozaki-kun. Uh, are there any challenges that you run into whenever you're writing like one script and then jumping from that? and then going to the next one and trying to, you know, figure out how to, you know, adapt, you know, adapt what you get to, to fit what you're, what you're writing for. Um, I would say it's not so much a challenge swapping from one genre to another as it is swapping from one director's style or one studio's style to another. Um, like if I'm writing a show that's a comedy and I'm, and I know the director is, uh, you know, it's if it's Jeremy Inman is directing it, and I know that he likes everything to be funny and more adaptive, and like maybe not stick as close to the translation, you know, maybe have a little more fun with it, be a little more loosey goosey, um, or if it's if it's another director that's no, we want everything to be like as close to the manga translation as possible, or I want to keep as many of the Japanese terms as possible. Um, nothing wrong with that, just different approaches. Um, or if it's a licensor request, um, sometimes the licensor will say, you know, you have to keep this word for this, you know, special power or this place or magical item or whatever, you have to call it this, even if it makes no sense in English. <laughs> like the licensor will do that every once in a while. They'll say, we don't care that this sounds stupid in your language. It has to be this. And it's their IP. We have to. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh, we really wish you would let us maybe not do that but <laughs> but at the end of the day the ip the the ip is king and the licensor is king um so really i i kind of got a little off topic with that but uh genre so much is not is not what trips me up going slipping slipping from one genre into another it's more like okay what is this licensor like and what is this director like and what does this studio prefer um so that to me is more tricky than jumping from one genre to another and then, uh, is there anything like tricky about uh, going from you know new series or like older series that are that we're adapting now because you know anime is like super popular now to you know doing that to jumping onto an already established series like One Piece and then you know going back doing some other ones and then jumping back onto One Piece or is that kind of easier like a <laughs> like coming home to something you already know. Um, I like that you call it coming home. I have described working on One Piece as like slipping into a comfortable pair of shoes. <laughs> <laughs> I love One Piece. And I, just because of scheduling and deadlines and things like that, I have been on One Piece and off of One Piece for years. Um, One Piece was the first. Is that right? Yes. 
Yes. <laughs> it was the first show I worked on for Funimation. I had been doing shows for Sentai for a couple of years, and then I started doing One Piece for Funimation. I did that for a while, and then I jumped off and did something else for a little bit, and then back to One Piece, something else, back to One Piece. Um, and, you know, hundreds of episodes will pass, and, and there will be a time skip or whatever, and I'll come back, and it's like, ah, I'm back. Um, and I'll have to catch up, like, all right, what's going on? Where are we at? Um, <laughs> where's Zoro right now? Where's Luffy? <laughs> like, um, but it's, it is, it is like jumping back into a comfortable pair of shoes. And it does take a little bit of, of catching up. But I think other than, other than l- lore and animation style, I think there really aren't any differences. Um, sometimes it's literally a matter of like, oh, the show is old, so the animation's less sharp and less crisp, so the mouth flaps don't look as clear. Therefore, it might be easier or it might be harder to, to match these flaps. If it's not, if they weren't animated for high def, you know, like if they weren't meant to be seen in high def, maybe they weren't drawn that great. (laughs) So that might present its own kind of challenge. Um, I've definitely worked on shows where it's like, oh, they didn't think anybody was ever going to see these flaps. (laughs) So, and when I say flap, I might've said this already, but just to clarify, when I say flaps, I mean like the movement of the mouth, like we call them flaps. Um, and that's what we write to. That's the, the beats that we try to fill with dialogue in case I didn't say that. (laughs) And then jumping back into just acting in general, you played characters, young, old, male, female, did like adapting your voice to those different characters is that something that you learned while you were doing voice acting or is it something that you already had uh prior experience with through your theater work and stuff like that um i think the cool thing about voice acting as opposed to acting on camera or acting on stage is that no one can see what you look like (laughs) so you could be a boy or an old lady or a snake or a dog um (laughs) it does not matter what you look like um i play literally four different characters that are dragons like i play four dragons dude i realized that today while i was like telling people like oh i voiced this this and this i was like she's a dragon oh she's a dragon too oh and that one's a dragon wow (laughs) um (laughs) And it's great because, like, on stage, I would never get to play an eight-year-old boy. Or, you know, I could play a 60-year-old woman, but they'd have to put a bunch of makeup and prosthetics on me, hopefully. Uh, (laughs) um, So, yeah, playing playing age and gender that I don't represent in real life is kind of unique to voice acting. And I think that's cool um, because this is really the only medium where that's the thing. I think it's a muscle. It's just like working out a muscle on like your physical body. Um, I guess it is kind of working out a muscle because it's your voice. It's part of your body. Um, and I've definitely gotten better at it over the years. I used to play um, pretty much exclusively like big sisters and mature women. And that was about all I could do for the first couple years. And the first role I ever got was Liliana in Log Horizon, who's like high pitched and sweet. And that was because it was my first one. And Kyle Jones brought me in because I was new and he liked my voice. And and Emily had said, bring her in. She's good. But he didn't know what I could do. And neither did I. And 
uh, I was nervous and I was like, oh God, that doesn't sound good. And I remember going to the premiere of Log Horizon at Alamo Draft House in Houston because they used to do like uh, screenings back then of, you know, the first, like, come watch the first three or four episodes of this new anime. They would do it like every Tuesday. It was so cool. Awesome. Yeah. It kind of fell out of, uh, fell, fell out of habit, like with COVID and everything. Yeah. Um, but it was a thing that they used to do like weekly. Then it kind of went to monthly and I don't think they're doing it right now, but it used to be a really cool thing. Um, and I went to the Log Horizon one. It was my first show. I was so excited. I got all dressed up. I was like, oh my God, it's the premiere. I'm going to see my, my character on the big screen and my voice is going to come out of it. But I was also, there was this voice in the back of my head that was like, no, they replaced me. <laughs> like, there's no way. Like, they, they definitely heard that and, and went, this is garbage. And like, <laughs> and I was sitting there and Meg McDonald was with me. She's a good friend of mine. She plays a Suzu in that show. And she was, she sat next to me and she was like, no, they did not, you know, they didn't replace you. She's like, I promise you, your voice is going to come out of there. And I like held my breath and I was like, they changed it. They, oh my God, they changed it. And they didn't. And, <laughs> and she's like, no, that's a really completely normal thing to feel. And it's, it's just like how people who aren't voice actors and aren't used to hearing their voice all the time, like you hear your voice on an answering machine or something and you're like, oh God, is that what I sound like? You know? And it's, it really is like flexing a muscle. The more you use your voice, the more comfortable you are hearing it and the more you can do with it. Um, so now I'm like, I can, I can, I can do multiple voices in the same scene if I want to, and nobody will know the difference. And it's just because I've flexed those muscles for so long. And that was a really roundabout way to answer that question. <laughs> it's a muscle <laughs> is what I meant to say. I always love detailed answers just because whenever I listen to a, a podcast or an interview, you know, the more insight that I get, the more I enjoy it. So feel free to answer away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, since you mentioned we're living in, you know, literally a historic time yeah. and the entire world was affected. People are going to remember this for years and years. What's it been like? Like, I know that some people already have like some home setups for, uh, before COVID even. Like they had home setups to do some voiceover work or to do to do like some cleanup work, but what's it been like doing voiceover and working on these things and while COVID you know has been going on? Oh, thank you for asking that too. Um, this has been huge. Obviously, like COVID's horrible, and I'm just gonna say that now. <laughs> COVID's horrible. I would really rather there have not been a global pandemic. It's bad, and I'm looking forward to the day when this is all over. But if if one good thing came out of it for me, it's that I am now capable of like producing my own audio, and I'm thankful for that. Again, I would rather COVID not have been a thing. <laughs> I'm just making sure I say that very clearly. I don't want to be like, oh yay, like you know, and like no, God no. Um, but because of COVID, it really did. You're right. It, it it kicked a bunch of us into gear. Almost all of us. We were like, oh crap, we have to like. <laughs> we have to figure something out. Um, so I didn't know anything about audio. Oh my God. I knew nothing, <laughs> dude. Um, and I'm still learning a lot, but I, I now have a real big girl microphone. I have an XLR microphone and an interface and, um, a sound booth. It's a, it's a, it's a, a vocal booth to go. So it's basically like blankets on a wire inner, uh, uh structure. 
And so it's not like a, a whisper room, but it's, you know, the next best thing. Um, it's something I could take down if I wanted to. Um, and I know how to use Reaper and Pro Tools, kind of. I'm not a real audio engineer. God, no, I'm not anywhere near that level of capability, but I can get by. And I'm so thankful for that because a lot of us really were like, oh, we don't know what we're doing. And I'm so thankful for engineers uh, because it, it really was audio engineers that stepped up and, and helped us get there because so many, like, so many audio engineers at the beginning of COVID had to help studios get their actors like in position to record from home funimation for one um sent out and i'm talking about within like a week or two of the pandemic hitting like mid-march um funimation sent out recording like home recording kits i want to say like 400 of them not all at once it was like in phases because they they couldn't get them all out at the same time but hundreds of recording kits i'm talking about yeah it was nuts it was like ipads um microphones not amazing microphones but microphones that could get the job done you know like and they were usb but uh like a mic stand pop filter to just to get their actors something to continue recording from home and because of that we all had to kind of learn how to engineer ourselves and do it over a call and from there some of us built out our home studio a little bit and some of us are still using the the do-it-yourself kit but all of us stepped up our game a little <laughs> and i think that's gonna lead to a new like a new age for for adr for anime because all of the actors know a little bit more about audio now and maybe hopefully will be more appreciative of the audio engineers that got us here because oh my god <laughs> and how does directing work like how does some do you just like do it over skype or over zoom or discord or something or how exactly do you work does somebody does a director work with the voice actor whenever they're doing it from home uh, yeah, so it's usually, um, with the exception, there's a rare exception for like, I've also, I have one studio that just is like, please direct yourself. Here are your lines, here is your deadline. But for the most part, like for Funimation, Sentai, LA Studios, for the most part, it's, all right, it's going to be a session over Microsoft Teams or Zoom or something like that. Um, you're going to have like a screen share of the script and a screen share of the video and Source Connect for, uh, for, recording like capturing your audio and they have an engineer recording like doing the engineering for you on the other end but at the beginning of the pandemic when we just had those ipads it was like you were doing your own dialogue placement as the actor um on your end so everybody was like what what's a track how do i arm a track what does that mean <laughs> you know like i didn't know what arming a recording track meant you know yeah. you're an audio person but yeah. i was like huh <laughs> like so we've come a long way. <laughs> and then was there like a show that you worked on that you feel got your like got your name out there more in the industry, got you like more uh I guess you'd call it in demand? Uh because like you're going through your credits, you have a ton. So obviously you're somebody that people want to work with or people want uh to work with you. Um, do you think that there was something that made that a thing? 
Uh, yeah, I think I think my hero is probably the obvious one. Um, my Hero Academia, I play Ryukyu, um, the big dragon. Um, and that actually came not during the pandemic. Okay, I, I have to tell this. All right. So <laughs> uh, the last convention I did before Edgy Expo right now was KeyCon, which was a one-day convention. And I'm blanking on the name of the town. It was, like, out in West Texas. Um, but... It was, uh, I had recorded Ryukyu at the time, but I couldn't announce it. And that convention was like, oh, we're big Longhorns fans, and <laughs> we love that you played Cow Lady in the My Hero Academia movie, which literally was one line. Um, at the beginning of the, of the Two Heroes movie, there's like a cowgirl hero that says, y'all are finished, and that's <laughs> it. That's it. And that was my involvement in My Hero at the time. A- except I was Ryukyu, and I couldn't tell anyone. <laughs> Because it was still under NDA, so I was like, cool, I'll come to this con as Cow Lady. And I appreciated it. I don't want to sound unappreciative, but I was like, y'all don't even know that I'm UQ, though. Um, so that was the last con I did. So this is the first one I've done since UQ, and this is the first one I've done since Yami from To Love Ru got announced. So I, it's hard to say, but I think, um, I think Ryukyu is probably like, it's, it seems like my hero is a, being in my hero is a huge game changer for actors right now and has been for the past couple years. And it's still, it's still got steam. I mean, we're in season five and it's not slowing down. And Ryukyu's got a pop figure. It's not, it's not here until December. They just announced it. I've never had a character with a pop figure. That's like a career landmark for me. So I'm, I'm pumped. Um, waiting for that cow lady pop figure. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure if they, if you wait long enough, I'm sure it'll come. <laughs> so she deserves it. And I mean, I guess it still goes, like, it still goes to prove that, uh, like, even though streaming is like super popular right now, but if you end up being on something like Toonami, something like My Heroes, the most popular thing in the world, uh, like the show's good to begin with, but if it were only streaming, it could only be so popular. The fact that like people see it on their TV because, you know, their parents own cable or, you know, getting that mainstream recognition is just like a, a big stepping stone, I guess. Um, but is, have you worked on anything where like you thought to yourself, man, I wish more people would watch this because the thing, the, what I like to do with this podcast is usually like go back and watch things where people have told me to watch it and I'd, I'd never heard of it. And did you ever work on anything where you're like, man, I wish I just need people to watch this. Yeah. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Cause there's, yeah, I agree. There's a lot of things that I'm like. I'm not going to get a print of this character because it won't sell, you know, as much as it means to me. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's actually, there's three. <laughs> I have three. Um, one of them's under NDA, so I won't say that. Um, but check back with me <laughs> um, in a few months. Um, the other two, uh, one that I was in and one that I had a small part in but wrote. Um, I'm in one called Magical Girl Raising Project. I don't know if you've seen that. Um, I love, love, love Magical Girl Raising Project. It's a beautiful series. It's beautiful to look at just art wise. Um, and also I just love my character in it. I play La Pucelle, who is, uh, well, her civilian identity is a little boy from Sota who loves magical girls. And well, the show is about, um, a mobile game about magical girls and people who make their avatar in this mobile game 
a select few of them are chosen to actually become their magical girl avatar. And he's a little boy that loves magical girls, and he makes a magical girl avatar. And so he becomes a magical girl. And so I got to play a little boy who also was a magical girl. <laughs> and they cast me because they're like, you can play boys and girls, you know? <laughs> um, and it was, it was, I got to flex my acting, acting, acting muscles hmm, and my talking muscles. I talk for a living. Um, <laughs> can you tell? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, uh, not only because it's a boy and a girl in the same character, but also because it's intense. Like the, the emotional like load of that show is like huge heavy um and every character in that show has a beautiful beautiful story and like arc that they go through highly recommend jade saxton who's here also directed it and it she is very passionate about it as well so if you talk to her definitely ask, she'll light up if you ask her about magical girl raising project she loved that show um yeah so la pucelle and magical girl raising project love that show um, the show that I wrote that I'm really passionate about is um, Amagi Brilliant Park. It's a Kyoto animation show. You familiar with that one? Um, yeah. Yeah, okay. I watched one episode, but it was in Japanese because my friend showed it to me. Nice. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it's Kyoto animation, so obviously it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's about um, a, a boy who becomes responsible for fixing and rejuvenating this, like, dilapidated theme park uh, because he has discovered that the mascot characters and magical beings there are real and it's actually a magical world and he needs to save it. Um, it's beautiful. And I also play the, the main boy's um, alcoholic aunt, but <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> and I also got to write the songs for that. Like, it's oh, very nice. rare that we get to, like, like dub songs. Like, it just, it depends on licensor stuff, it depends on materials and yada yada yada. Like, and that one, there's two, like, little incidental songs in it, and I got to write them in English, and I'm really proud of them, so please watch it. <laughs> and I guess that's everything that I really have to ask you, but thank you so much for doing this. Uh, and, I mean, is there anything that you wanted to say that maybe you didn't get to say, maybe where people can follow you and all that stuff? Thanks a lot. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. Um, it's been a pleasure. I'm enjoying the con. I hope you enjoy the rest of the con as well. we got one more day. Um, and yeah, thank you everyone who's listening. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at KB, that's me. And you spell out B like Bumblebee. K-B-E-E, that's me. KB, that's me. And then uh, Instagram is Caitlin Bar VA, like voice actor, Caitlin Bar VA. Please follow me. And then you'll see when I announce that thing that I wasn't going to be able to tell you about earlier. <laughs> so, yeah, thanks for listening. All right, we'll see you guys when we see you guys. And thanks for listening. Travesty, depravity, derived from tragedy. Cryptic mentality, uppercut him like a fatality.